CBS Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Football Friday edition of the Pick 6 podcast that is being taped on a Thursday. The wonders of modern technology. Will Brinson and yours truly will be flying out to Vegas for the weekend on Friday. Joined along with our our compatriot Pete Prisco. And Will, if people like the podcast, they like the Pick 6, how can they get involved? How can they show us how they feel? Uh, I don't know how. Do you you know how? I'm just kidding. You can rate review on iTunes. That's how. Uh, we love when you leave reviews, when you rate, you can talk about, uh, Nick's handsome face. You can talk about how I'm the opposite of Nick, which might be not handsome. You can even talk about how you love how you hate how I constantly talk about my dog, George, Prince George, King George, who is currently chewing some sort of pin top on a bed and staring at me in, in regal fashion. George, He's probably, he seems like a troublemaker. He's a disaster. This dog is a disaster. Do you he, love the dog or no? Not really, no. I mean, I'm not sure if my wife can hear me right now, but I don't, I don't think so. I mean, like, he's, I was told when we got the dog that he would be a low energy love sponge. And all he does is sprint around the house and destroy everything. He's, he's nine months old now. He just had his testicles removed. Um, AKA neutered. AKA neutered. I just like to say testicles. And, um, and we, my wife, AK, thought that when he came home from this surgery that he would, that like taking the testosterone out of him would yeah. turn him in. We turn him into this like chill bro. No, no chill. George is nuts. And he's just giving me, he gets, he is, he's got these wonky eyes and the whites of his eyes get real red. And that's how you know he's tired and he starts acting really crazy and just, it's, it's, he's, I like labs, Nick. I like labs. I feel like you just described Cujo. Like his eyes get really white and then you can see the red and then he jumps at you and tries to tear your throat out. So, sort of less deadly. Like, like a little bit less deadly. I don't know what he's chewing right now, honestly. Like, it could be, I mean, it could be rat poison. Who knows? I mean, like, not like I have rat poison laying around, but like, this dog will find anything and just chew it up. He's like, um, he's, I don't know. I don't know what he's like. He's insane. Anyway, let's talk about football. Football is more fun than my dog. Yes. And the last note on the dog, I feel like whenever someone says, you know, the dog's a pain in the ass, the dog does this, the dog does that, they always qualify it with, but I love him so much. And I asked you, do you love the dog? And you said, not really. So noteworthy, King George must really be a pain in the old posterior. Will, earlier in the week, we broke down the AFC. Let's do the same now for the NFC, and let's begin with the reigning, defending NFC East champion, the Dallas Cowboys. 13-3 and last year will be a tall order for Dak Prescott and company, I think, to reach that win total again this year. Yeah, I think so, too. And we've I feel like we've talked about the Cowboys a lot on this podcast and, and not really in um, impressive fashion, but... There's just there just feels like there's some built-in regression on the Cowboys here, and I'll tell you what's really interesting, Nick, is that when you look at the Cowboys, uh, you know, when you look at their odds, right? Like their line, I think their win total is nine and a half, right? Yes. But and they're and they're high up in the Super Bowl rankings. But then you go and you click on the division futures, and you scroll down to the NFC East. And the Cowboys are barely favored over the New York Giants. Plus 140 versus plus 175. Okay, a 13-win team doesn't come into the season at plus 140. For instance, the Raiders are plus 115 
in what I would qualify, what I would suggest is a more difficult division. And so I, I think that there is a little bit of hesitation in Vegas on the Cowboys, but because Dallas is this uh, popular team, because they have Dak Prescott, because they have Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you see these, you see these, uh, these, these high odds. I, I think it will be interesting to see whether or not the Cowboys, what, what the line is in that week one game against the Giants. They're minus three and a half right now. What happens if Zeke Elliott is and, suspended? And it was minus five and a half. So that line could be adjusted for the, uh, for the potential of Zeke maybe missing that game. Exactly. And so I just wonder if the, and by the way, the Cowboys, Minus 184, yes, to make the playoffs. Plus 154, no, to make the playoffs. So Vegas thinks they'll make the playoffs. But it just feels like – it just I, I don't know. It just feels like the last year they had this sort of underdog feel to them when Tony Romo went down. Oh, here go the Cowboys. They're going to melt down. They're going to be a disaster. And then Dallas goes out to get this great run with, with Dak Prescott. I just feel like now when they're in the position as the favorite – we're going to see them regress a little bit. People are going to be taking their best shot at the Cowboys. I don't. I think they're going to win somewhere in the range of eight to ten games. See, instead I, of 10. see, see. I don't know. Oh. I, I don't see eight for the Cowboys. We, we've debated this before on the podcast. Dallas is a, a nine-win team at minimum. Like, like I think that they're going to finish oh, above five hundred. Oh. The only team in the NFL that's a nine-win team at minimum is the Patriots. No, I, I think the Cowboys are good. I mean, unless, like, Dak gets hurt and Kellen Moore has to play. But if, like, if their star players stay healthy, the Cowboys are going to win nine games. And I think they're closer to an 11-win team than they are to a nine-win team. Now, that is regression, right? When you consider they won 13 games last year, they won 11 this year, that's two worse. But... Even if they win 11 games, this Cowboys team could have a better shot of going to the Super Bowl than last year's Cowboys team because, in theory, you can make the argument that the defense is better this year. If Taco Charlton gives you something rushing the passer, if Jalen Smith can get on the field and give you something playing opposite Sean Lee and that linebacker core, you know, the offensive line, Lyle Collins, if he can hold up a tackle now, and you've got Zeke for... 14, 15, hopefully if you're a Cowboys fan, 16 games, plus Dak continuing to grow, Des Bryant and company catching the football. I don't see this Cowboys team, Will, going 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. I think they're an 11-win team, and I think they are probably one of the two to three best teams right now in the NFC. What happens if the Cowboys start 1-4 and four heading into their Week 6 bye? So let's give the schedule right now. So Week 1 at home against the Giants. Vegas is acknowledged by virtue of the spread that this is a coin flip, and the Giants beat them two, two times last year. They swept them. The Giants match up well for them. Not a guaranteed win. Primetime week one. It's going to be a great game, but that could that could go either way, right? Then they go to Denver in week number two, which that, Denver on paper is, is tough, but I think the Cowboys will, could win that game by double digits because they'll run it down Denver's throat. Right. They can run the ball, but Denver is a really bad matchup for the for the Cowboys because they have a great defense and – an offense. Well, they have can, a great secondary. I don't think the, if the overall defense at this point, like Von Miller is great, but they can be right, run on. Right, but you can like, but you can put Tlaib on Des Bryant and and send blitzers, right? I mean, like you can. Like, well, right, you don't, and then then you run it thirty times with with Zeke and Darren McFadden and company. So, well, you put you put. I mean, you can put Des. You can put one. You can get Des. You can beat. You can get Des in one on one coverage, and then you can load the box. I think Denver in Denver can beat the Cowboys. Then week three, you go at Arizona. That's also a tough matchup. Very tough I mean, matchup. I, I mean, I will probably pick the Broncos and Cardinals to win those games, although certainly the Cowboys could win them. Week four, you host the Rams. They, that's Clearly. a game that they should win. That would be a really big disappointment if they lost that game. And then week five, you get the Packers at home. And we know what happened that's- the last time the Packers made a trip to Jerry World. That was this past January. Aaron Rodgers, the miracle pass to Jared Cook. Two miracle cooks 
kicks, cooks, two miracle kicks by Mason Crosby in the waning moments to give Green Bay the victory and send them on to the NFC Championship game. So it is a tough start for the, for the season for Dallas, and I do think it is critical for Dallas to get off to a good start because what happens if they start off one and four or two and three? Now the questions, you know, did they make a mistake? By, by not having Romo come back, by turning it over to Dak Prescott, and things could spiral out of control quickly there. So I think it is imperative for Dallas to get off to that start. That is potentially four of the top ten defenses in the NFL that they face in the first five weeks, along with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I'm just saying, like that could that that start could go south for them. Now after the bye, they get they're at the 49ers, which should be a win at the Redskins. It's two back to back weeks on the road. Chiefs at home at the Falcons, not a guaranteed win. Eagles, Chargers, Redskins at home, three in a row, at Giants, at Raiders, Seahawks at home, at Eagles. That is a, It is a brutal closing schedule for the Cowboys. Brutal. I'm just saying, I don't think their ceiling, I don't think their floor is eight wins. I think the floor is closer to, I don't think their floor is nine wins. I think it's closer to seven wins. Last word on the Cowboys here. You mentioned their floor. Is their ceiling in your eyes to win a Lombardi trophy, to win the Super Bowl? Sure, yeah. The Cowboys are, are good enough with everything they have that um, they can certainly win. The team that swept the Dallas Cowboys in the 2016 season, the New York Football Giants, an 11 and 5 record, loss in the wild card round to the the Green Bay Packers, adding Brandon Marshall, Evan Engram in the draft, the defense returning, many of its playmakers there. What's the overall feeling on my New York Football Giants, Will, that I have rooted for since I was a young lad? Yeah, maybe I'm a sucker for picking regression, but I feel like the Giants are prime for regression too. The they get the, and I, I feel like you feel this way as well, but they get this addition in Evan Ingram that's huge. You know, they add Brandon Marshall. And so the, that window dressing to me looks really good. You're like, oh, look at these weapons. Well, I mean, I've been saying this all, all, all off season, but it doesn't matter if they can't protect Eli. A hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head here. And that's going to be the bugaboo for this team. And it's not just can they protect Eli. Can they open up holes in the run game for Paul Perkins, Wayne Gallman, Shane Vereen, whoever the hell is going to be the ball carrier. And and, and like, that's the thing also. You know, the offensive line was bad last year. Eli Manning also did not have a good season last year. And I feel like Eli's regressing here. And if you're a Giants fan, do you really expect the defense to be as good as it was last year? I'm not saying that they're going to be what the Saints were a couple years ago under Rob Ryan. That's not going to be the case. But this defense, I don't think it's going to be as good as it was last year because really, how could it be? And then you, you add in Manning, who's aging and regressing, a bad offensive line. I think they got lucky last season. Beckham bailed them out of a number of games. I think this is a 9-7 and seven team, 10-6 and six if everything breaks right. But I think they're in the 8-9 to nine win range. Yeah, I mean, I think you got, you, you know, you this defense went from 30th in DVOA to second overall. And they were also 15th in terms of, um, like their variance. So, so basically they just, they were, they were average in terms of being consistent. And I think that showed up at times. I, I would be surprised if you get career years out of every single one of these people. Although, look, Landon Collins and Eli Apple, Janoris Jenkins, that is the start. Darian Thompson, that is the core of a really good secondary. Yep. And you have the, you have the bodies up front. So it, it's certainly possible that this defense remains good. I just think I, the sticks out like a sore thumb. Eric Flowers at left tackle. He is born to be a right tackle or, or born to be not an offensive lineman. Born and to sit on the bench. Or that, yeah, sit on the bench or maybe be a guard. Look, he's really great when he gets to the second level and he can, and he's in a run blocking situation or a screen situation, but just sitting back and protecting Eli Manning is not his strong suit. And it's just bizarre to me that they think that this offensive line 
is going to be sufficient enough. Um, you know, I think they ran because look, they ran three wide receiver sets ninety-two uh, percent of the time. The most in the league. Most in the league by by a long shot. And you have a situation where Evan Ingram's coming in. Evan Ingram's not a blocking tight end, and, 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 and he's also a rookie tight end. And unless your name is Robert Gronkowski, rookie tight ends don't usually make an impact. That's correct. Or Hunter Henry. Um, so yeah, look, I think the Giants are primed for regression, but you know it wouldn't be surprising if this team caught fire. They're they're just a weird team. Playoff and team, yes or no? Giants. I don't have them in the playoffs. I also think, and I hate to say this, and Giants fans are going to kill me for this. I also think that they will finish outside the postseason. I, I do too. Will, how about Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles? Expectations pretty high in the city of brotherly love after an offseason in which they acquired some playmakers on offense. Uh, what's your take here, Doug Peterson in Philly 2017? I really like the Eagles, and it's probably going to end up burning me, Nick. I, I think that I'm picking the Eagles to win the NFC East. Yeah, the, yeah that will probably end up burning you. Yeah, it probably will. Um I wish that, and I, look, I think here's the case is that I, I don't think that the, that anybody in the NFC East is going to finish with 10 wins. I, well, that, then it becomes war by attrition. I could see, I think Dallas has the best chance, but you can make that case that these four teams beat the hell out of each other for the entire season and, and they play the AFC West and the NFC West does the NFC East. So this is going to be a tough schedule for all four teams. Yeah, what, what I look at when I look at Philly is first of all, you gotta, you gotta have the, the, the growth of Carson Wentz more than anything, right? I mean, that has to be something that happens for Philadelphia. And I think it does happen, particularly if Lane Johnson is able to stay on the field. You know, you have the, you have the, you have the protection and you have these weapons that they brought in in terms of Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Zach Ertz is coming back, Donald Pumphrey, who I love. They signed like Garrett Blunt. Nelson Aguilar is apparently getting a lot of separation in training camp. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes when the actual games start for old Nelly Aguilar. Yeah, Mac Hollins is, uh, is, a, is a weapon in the special teams. I just think they have a lot more weapons, a lot more diversity in terms of what they can do on offense than they did the year before. And defensively, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this defense. Yeah, 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 go ahead and try and sell this defense like it's got a, you know, Reg, Reggie White anchoring at the, at the defensive end. Go ahead. The defensive line features Chris Long, Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry, Derek Barnett. Who am I missing that else is that? I mean, this is a deep, dangerous, pass-rushing defensive line. They're going to need to be good, buddy, because that secondary is very questionable for the Eagles. I would. I always want a dangerous defensive line over a dangerous secondary. I, 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 I agree with that, but then like it's really incumbent that they need to get to the opposing passer or else they're going to get shredded like they did last year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I think they've got the defense that can do it. I think they've got a little bit more ground control game than they had last year. And I, I just, I, I think it's a, I think, I think Carson Wentz is going to take a step. Don't you think I, it's funny that like Carson Wentz was so good as a rookie? And like, I know people are like, oh, he wasn't that good. I think he was pretty damn good for a rookie quarterback that it feels like the narrative has almost become Carson Wentz isn't good. I mean, I watched yeah. him play last year. Carson Wentz is good, right? Am I crazy? <laughs> Carson Wentz took the league by storm for a while, and then people started picking apart his mechanics when his left tackle went down. I mean, let's settle down here, people. He's a good young quarterback. He's in his rookie year. Yeah, and um, the, the thing that I think will hold the Eagles back, why I don't think they're a playoff team, why they won't make it, I don't like Doug Peterson as a head coach as far as decisions that he makes. I mean, that the, the first Giants game that they played at the Meadowlands last year. He's so, baby Andy Reid. No, no, he, no, he's worse than Andy Reid with the decision-making, <laughs> and that's saying something. So I think Peterson will eventually cost the Philadelphia Eagles. The Washington Redskins with Kirk. You like that, Cousins? Ooh-wee! How do we feel about the Redskins this year, Will? 
I mean, maybe I'm just an idiot, Nick. And I'm, I like Should we the stop Red- there or no? No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I, I, I like the Redskins maybe more than I, – I like the Redskins more than a lot of people do. I don't think that they're going to finish – I think the Redskins – we're talking about the Cowboys and their ceiling and floor. I think the Redskins probably have a ceiling of 9-7. and seven. Mm. But – I would go maybe look. We're splitting hairs here. I I think they could win ten games, but that's only okay. more. Uh, yeah, ten. I mean, ten to six. Yeah, I mean, look, the ball could bounce a funny way, and they could win um, ten games. They're at the Seahawks. They're at the Saints. They're at the Cowboys. They're at the Chargers. They play the Broncos and the Cardinals. They play the Vikings, and they play the Raiders at home as well. They have a really really difficult schedule. Even two of their early games on the road at the Rams and at the Chiefs. I like what the Redskins have built in terms of depth. I, I think the I just think the Redskins are a better team on defense than people give them credit. Yeah, especially for. if Jonathan Allen shows yeah. up and balls out John- this year, then 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 this Redskins defense could be something pretty good. Right, I'm banking on Jonathan Allen being a quality impact defensive lineman out of the gate, and I mean, maybe maybe that won't happen. You know, maybe he'll be banged up. They added Ryan Anderson too, so they they, they went deep on Alabama guys. You would think those guys can help early. I believe that their running game with Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, Samaje P. Ryan, Matt Jones, who Scott McLuhan was. Yeah, by, by the way, like I think Matt Jones is going to get overdrafted in fantasy strictly because of Scott McLuhan, the former GM's tweet storm from the from this past week. That's why I was like, who's the who's the best player in the NFL? Uh, Tom Brady won, Matt Jones too. No, like, I know. For McLuhan, it's Matt Jones won. You know, Jim Brown too. Like, like greatest player of all time. I mean, Matt Jones is an explosive player, but let's settle down. Let's settle down. Like Scott. he lost, he lost his job to a guy named Fat Rob last year. That's like, right. And, and, and while McLuhan was still the GM. Yeah, that is right. Exactly. Um, I like the receiving core. I, I think uh, Josh Doxson and Terrell Pryor will surprise some people with what they do with the Redskins. Jameson Crowder, one of the most, maybe he's getting overdrafted in fantasy. No, but, I think he's in PPR leagues. He's going to be a monster this year, Jameson. Yeah, I, think, I just think he's just going to get fed the ball because of the way that that offense operates. The offensive line will keep. Kirk Cousins protected and Cousins is motivated to make some money again. So to me, this is not a team that is going to just go four and 12. No, right? no I, not a chance. No, that's way too much talent. The quarterback's too good. And, and, I, and, and it really comes down to, it's like the great Kirk Cousins debate. I think Cousins is a damn good quarterback and I think he's going to have a damn good year. I, I actually think the Redskins will finish second in the NFC East ahead of the Giants, ahead of the Eagles behind the Dallas Cowboys. And I would not be shocked if the Redskins back in the postseason this year. I, I wouldn't be either. I don't. I have. The, I have Dallas. I. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles and Redskins came out of this division because the schedules for everybody are so difficult, and because this is a situation where it's going to be sort of a battle to see who can win that extra game and end up at nine and seven and get the division. I don't think we're going to see a ten plus game winner in this division. The Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, Mike Glennon. It's all about the quarterbacks. But seriously. What If you're a Bears fan, you know the team's going to be bad this year. I'm talking to you, Bears fan, listening to this right now. Will, what is the silver lining here? What should Bears fans be looking for in what's sure to be a, another season outside of the postseason? Well, you know, I, I think you have to hope that Mitchell Trubisky gets to play. And that he, by the way, if you go to their schedule page, Mike Glennon featured left side. Will he be featured all season? I don't think he will. I think at some point, and I think it's going to happen early when you look at the schedule, they get the Falcons at home. So, I mean, let's say realistically, if this team is one and six, even if Mike Glennon's playing well, are they really going to sit Mitchell Trubisky the whole season? Because they have the Falcons in week one. That's probably a loss, even at home. At the Buccaneers in week two, I'm going to say that. Probably a loss, yep. The Steelers at home in week three. At the Packers in week four. Loss. 
Vikings at home in week five. Yeah, maybe you squeak out a win there, but probably they won't be favored in that game. Right, you're one and four. Then you're at the Ravens. You could steal that one, but I don't think it's likely. Loss. Panthers at home. Probably a loss. At Saints. Definitely, <laughs> definitely a loss. That team can't be 0-8 heading into the week nine bye. There is zero chance that Mike Lennon starts in week 10 against the Packers if they're 0-8 or 1-7. And, and you know, and that actually, you make a great point here, and I, I just thought of this, right? So week nine is the bye, and then you come out with two home games. That, in theory, is the perfect time to insert your rookie quarterback if you want to get him out there, get him some reps heading into next season. Um, as far as the rest of well, especially knowing that on the backside you have the 49ers at home and the Browns at home. Those are two games that Mitchell Trubisky could potentially win. I just think the defense is going to be so bad, though. Like, 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 how is this defense going to be good? Like, how are they going to get pressure? Like, is Leonard Floyd all of a sudden going to wake up and be Von Miller? Like, he's got to step his game up. Other players on this defense have got to play better. I, I just, I just, I just don't see it here. I think the Bears are going to get scored on a lot this season. Yeah, and. Their top wide receiver is Cameron Meredith. They're hoping for something from Kevin White. The, the Bears, by the way, are skating on this Kevin White business. Like they should be getting blasted for Kevin White because he's he hadn't like he hasn't not, played in, in two years. Yeah, and they signed Marcus Wheaton to be their their extra receiver. And by the way, Marcus Wheaton making the same amount of money as Brandon Marshall is with the New York Giants, and Julian Edelman is with the New England Patriots. One of these things is not like the other. What the hell are they doing, man? It's crazy. Uh, I do like a little bit. Actually, I like a lot their interior linemen, Josh Sitton, Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long. That's some good interior protection for Mike Lennon and should help the run game for Jordan Howard. I don't buy this idea that Jordan Howard is going to lead the league in rushing. Like, I've, I've seen that propped up. Come on, get well, out of here. Well, here's, here's, here's the problem with Jordan Howard leading the league in rushing. In order to run the ball consistently, you have to have a lead. Yes, they will be uh, behind in most games. I have one more question about the Bears, and we'll move on from this terrible team. Mitchell Trubisky appeared on a Chicago sports radio station um, and was asked, Mitchell Trubisky, noted Carolina alum. North Carolina, and now plays in Chicago. I know where you're going here. Asked LeBron or Michael Jordan, and he went LeBron. You can't do that. You just have to choke it up, lie, and say Michael Jordan. Yeah, football IQ for Mitchell Trubisky might be high, but the old common sense-o-meter, I think it's right in the toilet. The Detroit Lions, Will, coming off a surprise trip to the postseason last year. They were the cardiac cat. So many fourth-quarter comebacks engineered by Matthew Stafford and company. I don't foresee them having that same sort of magic again. I think uh, a number of losses will be conjured up instead of victories this year for the uh, the boys from Motown. Yeah, I think that what you saw last year was one of the most unsustainable, lucky things yep. you will ever see from a football team. I mean, they they were trailing in something like, God, what was it, like 10 of their first 11 games in the fourth quarter and managed to win six or seven of them? It was, it was wild. Now, I liked that they went out and got TJ Lang and Ricky Wagner in free agency. But when, when, um, when, uh, tra- when Taylor Decker went down, it meant that Greg Robinson, failed second round pick from the Los Angeles Rams, is going to be your starting left tackle. Now, Not they good. run, they run a lot of three wide receiver sets or a lot of spread, you know, stuff and, and get the ball out quickly or, you know, whatever, it depends on personnel is sort of irrelevant, but they have Eric Ebron out there. Um, they get the ball out quickly and that's great. Greg Robinson should help a little bit in that respect or that should help Greg Robinson a little bit in that respect. But this offense feels like it could take a major step back. I love Jim Bob Cooter. Matthew Stafford was tremendous. Love I, I hope I love Cooter too. I hope that Amir Abdullah is healthy for 16 games because he could be a special player if he can cure the fumbling. 
And I think Gerard Davis makes an impact on yeah. this defense. But this, this, this looks like a sleeper for the first overall pick to me. I don't know if, I, I think Stafford's too good for them to be in like the first overall pick discussion, but I wouldn't be shocked if they were picking in the top 10 this year. The, the one name, Will, that I think might be most critical for this Lions team this year is Ziggy Ansah. At some, yeah. at some point, like he's got to turn into the pass rusher that I think many of us expected him to be and the Lions expect him to be when they took him high in the NFL draft. If they can get pressure on the opposing quarterback, cause that secondary is not bad. You know, the offense is going to be able to put up points because Stafford's so good. Then we're talking about maybe a nine and seven team that might be able to sneak in the back door into the postseason. But I think we can both agree that the more likely scenario is maybe seven and nine, six and ten, maybe Jim Caldwell out the door. And another year for Lions fans missing the postseason. The Green Bay Packers coming off a trip to the NFC Championship game. All those injuries in the secondary hurt them in their loss to Atlanta there. But they have reloaded in the draft here. And Aaron Rodgers will still plays quarterback. I think the Packers right now the favorite to come out of the NFC. Oh, yeah, without question, they're a huge favorite to come out of the NFC. You make them like minus 400 or something like that. See, I don't, not- I, I don't know if it's that high, but I do think that they are the favorite. Do you, know, do you know the Patriots are favored to come to the East? Oh, I would imagine it's what, like like minus 1,200, 1,500? Minus 3,000. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty incredible, yeah. Um, and uh, I think you, uh, I think what you see with the, with the Packers is a team offensively that is going to be able to block for Aaron Rodgers, even with the loss of some, some offensive linemen. And you see a team that is going to be able to run the ball more effectively than they did last year, thanks to bringing in Aaron Jones, a fifth-round pick, Jamal Williams, a fourth-round pick. Ty Montgomery, third-round pick in 2015, is an underrated – I don't think he's a scat back. I think he's just a running back. No, he's, and he's a good running back, too. Like He was amazing in some of the games last year, the one that comes to mind, the game in Soldier Field against the Bears. Yeah, I think this this season for the this season, the Packers are going to the playoffs, barring an Aaron Rodgers injury. Yes. And even then, they might get to the playoffs. They could they could be a wild card if Minnesota is really good no, this year. No, they'll win the division. I yeah, I, I think they'll win the division too. What it's going to come down to is how does the defense play down the stretch, and how does the defense play um, in the playoffs, and how do rookies Kevin King and Josh Jones both take it in the second round play? You know, Josh Jones, my boy from NC State. Yep. He's listed as a safety, but he is going to be a Micah Hyde style move all over the place, potentially play linebacker type of player he is going i he's a sleeper to win defensive rookie of the year wow you, you would go that far for josh jones because i like kevin king a lot i loved watching him at washington last year sure i think those are two great picks to to beef up the secondary and they're, but they're gonna have to get pressure up front right i mean like mike daniels nick perry and clay matthews are gonna have to be at their peak in order for this defense to play well it, it, look it just comes down to it if they win the super bowl great season if they win the division and fall short, it's another disappointing yeah, year. It's Super Bowl or bust for Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers this year. Like they have to get another Super Bowl championship. And a great quote from the Packers DBs coach last week: "If the if the QB and the CBs play well, we're going to the Super Bowl. You know Aaron Rodgers is going to play well. So if you're a Packers fan listening right now, this is what you need: your quarterback to stay healthy, and for your cornerbacks." and your safeties and the secondary to play well. If that happens, that is a recipe that could ultimately end in the Lombardi Trophy. Can I give one more hot take on the Packers? Go ahead. I think that Aaron Rodgers, newly single Aaron Rodgers, is going to have one of the three best years of his career because, and I don't mean this like, oh, like he ditched that girl and he's out of here. I just think that when you're single, so like I'm... You're you're more focused, 100%. 
All right, like there are two of us recording this podcast. One of us is dealing with a house being cleaned and a dog being a psychopath. And I really and wish that other, everyone oh, else could see you on Skype here because it's been hilarious watching you deal with the situation here while still rattling off A-level NFL analysis. Thank you. But I mean, like my dog is destroying all my all my important documents. Um, we have these kind people who are helping to clean the house. and They're being nice about it because they understand I'm yelling on the radio. And my wife is texting me about our son's portrait. And I'm trying to do this podcast and I'm about to lose my mind. Well, you know, that's probably how Aaron Rodgers felt when he had, he had a lady friend. Like it's a full-time responsibility. And when you're single, you have nothing but football to worry about. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have nothing but football to worry about. He's, do, he's doing this Brady diet. I think we see a massive season from Aaron Rodgers MVP this year. The Minnesota Vikings will look like they were on their way to the Super Bowl last year. The last undefeated team in the NFL at 5-0. and And then every single offensive lineman got hurt. And then their backups got hurt. And then the replacements got hurt. And they were starting you and me trying to protect Sam Bradford. And it all went to hell. They end up missing the postseason. Now the Vikings upgrade the offensive line a little bit. Sammy Bradford still at quarterback. They going to be able to get back to the postseason? I do like the Vikings to get back to the postseason, although I don't think I have them as a wild card. I have to go back and look. I think, no, I think I had Tampa Bay and Dallas, but I had Minnesota as one of the nine and seven teams. And I guess I could change this. I'm telling you, man, I wrote about this for CBS, for the, for the website for CBSSports.com. I love Dalvin Cook this year. I do too. I think Dalvin Cook is going to end up being the best running back out of the running backs drafted in a very deep class. Not because I think Fournette won't be great. I just have issues with the with the with the construction of the Jaguars' offensive line, and I, I'm a little concerned after watching the preseason about Christian McCaffrey. Um, although I, th- I think it'll be fa- I think it'll be fine. I just, I just think Dalvin Cook is going to be the feature back in Minnesota. I mean, they're nuts if he's not. Like Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon should not be. Like they're good complementary pieces. Dalvin Cook needs to be the guy. Jared Jarek McKinnon, if they run this offense right, Latavius Murray gets plenty of goal line carries because he's good in the goal line. Yeah. He's very red zone he's a bigger back Jarrett mckinnon is your third third and long back because you know to make sure you get dalvin cook rest because he can't play every snap and then cook is your feature back he operates look as good as adrian peterson was he's one of the all-time greats particularly in vikings history dalvin cook is a better fit than adrian peterson even ap like in his post prime you know like like in his in his good years he led the league in rushing two years ago dalvin cook is a better fit for this offense because he runs out of shotgun he runs these zone runs he runs these counters that pat Shermer likes to operate and i think he you just watch him and you, you go back and look at what mckinnon and asiata were running last year and they're just they're just kind of plotting into these holes dalvin cook is going to explode into those holes he's gets skinny really fast his feet are incredible and I don't, I don't think it's a no-brainer that this defense is going to be one of the top ten in the league. There's no question. With Mike Zimmer running the show there, there's so much talent on that defense. And Mike Zimmer, what he's done with the ageless Terrence Newman has been incredible. And and, and Xavier Rhodes and, and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and some of the other good young players on this D. Everson Griffin. Everson I mean, Griffin, yeah. Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter, who's the guy that Pete Prisco's <laughs> most underrated player in the NFL. Great call by you. Prisco thinks he's got 15-sack potential. If the offense can give you something, if Sammy Bradford gives you something, if Laquan Treadwell can give you something, last year's first-round pick was a bust last year at wide receiver, Stephon Diggs can be Stephon Diggs, I would not be surprised if we see the Vikings back in the postseason at the end of this year. Well, it's been about six months now, seven months, since the Atlanta Falcons choked away Super Bowl 51 in heart-wrenching fashion. When you look at the roster... 
all the pieces are there, and on paper, this looks like a Super Bowl contender. The million-dollar question, are they going to be able to get over giving the Super Bowl away to the Patriots? I don't think so, Nick. I, I still think they're going to be a good team. And I, I, to me, but I, the, it feels like the exact same formula as the Panthers last year. Reigning MVP, coming off a brutal Super Bowl loss, NFC South team in a tough division. You look at the roster, and on paper, there's nothing wrong with the Atlanta Falcons. They have this incredible young defense full of future superstars that Dan Quinn has done a tremendous job assembling. And they have this offense led by Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman. They just paid Tevin Coleman, uh, Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Jake Matthews developing into a, a stud left tackle. This off, this team is loaded across the board. And yet I just think there's going to be a mental aspect of what happens to it, of what happens from that Super Bowl, because they're still talking about it, right? Like, if if you're still talking about it, it it just feels like a like a bad breakup. If you know, it feels like like you got dumped by this girl that you loved, and now you're trying to get over it, but you're still talking about it. Because I mean, there's nothing more cringeworthy than somebody talking about someone they dated four years ago, and, 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 and especially in the way they're like, yeah, I'm over her, but it's yeah, buddy, then why are you still talking about her? Like the yeah. and, and the Falcons, and this is the difference between the NFL and real life, like. Like you, like if I don't want to talk about her, you have to ask me. Maybe I'll talk about. It. Like they're going to be asked about this every week of the entire season. If they get back to the playoffs, it's all they're going to hear this year is how do you get over the Super Bowl? How do you avoid the Super Bowl hangover? And I don't think we need really to break down this roster. Everyone knows it's great with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, a great young defense. If the question just comes down to like, are they over it mentally? They can say yes, but everyone says yes before the season, and we saw it with the Panthers last year. I think this team's got too much talent to really be hung over like the way I am after like a really rough Saturday night. But, but I would not be shocked if maybe nine and seven, ten and six, maybe outside looking in or maybe a wild card team losing the first round. I, I don't know about the Falcons as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. The, the opening stretch of the schedule is friendly in terms of the teams they play, but they are at Chicago to start. I mean, Chicago's got months to prepare. Then they get Green Bay at home. That's a t- really tough game at Detroit. You'd think they would win that and home against Buffalo. I, they have to be three and one in my mind at when minimum. they come out of that five bye because out of the gate, after the bye, Miami at home, they should probably win that. But then at New England, at the Jets and at Carolina, that's it. The Jets are terrible, but that's still three road trips in a row. And then they go Dallas at home, at Seattle, yeah. Tampa Bay at home, Minnesota at home, New Orleans at and home. Will, at- and will four straight division games to close the season, two against the Saints at Tampa Bay and then the finale hosting the Panthers. If they're not three and one coming into the bye, not only will they struggle to get to nine and seven or ten and six, certainly, but you'll be hearing chatter. Are the Falcons hungover from the Super Bowl? And that, and that sort of stuff is self-perpetuating. Will, a team that I'm really excited about this year, your Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to bounce back. Love Christian McCaffrey. Love Curtis Samuel. Love the new look of this offense, even if Cam is still going to run the ball and take some unnecessary hits. I don't think that we're going to see the drama from the front office bleed over into the locker room or on the field. I like this as a big bounce back year for Cam Newton and the Panthers. I could easily see them making the playoffs. Yeah, I got them winning the division, and I think winning 11 games. I'm probably the only person that high on them. Surprise, surprise. But they have a friendly schedule to start because they're at San Francisco. That road trip sucks, but it's the 49ers. And then they get Buffalo at home and the Saints at home. I They need to be 3-0 and after that stretch. I mean, 2-1 and you can live with. But then at New England, at Detroit, Philly at home, at Chicago, at Tampa Bay, Atlanta. They get a late bye this year. They come out of the bye and get the, the Jets um, on the road. 
it just it looks like a pretty friendly schedule, relatively speaking. I was really impressed on Wednesday night, and I think everybody was, with Kelvin Benjamin making that big skying touchdown catch. And I think the difference in what you're going to see from this offense this year is not that it's not about Cam running, Nick. It's it's about it's about making sure that Cam doesn't take hits in the pocket. And the difference is, and I wrote about this, is that get you the ball would, out quick. Yeah, you get well, you get the ball out quicker, but also have an option when Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches aren't getting open. If you go and look at the numbers, no combo of wide receivers got less separation from defensive backs last year than Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. And when you watch the tape, you see these swaths of like ten or twenty yards ahead of ahead of Cam Newton where he's standing in the line of scrimmage with nobody in there because the Panthers aren't using it. That's where Christian McCaffrey makes his money, and I think you're going to see him used in a bunch of dump offs, a bunch of short passes, a bunch of check down options. Matt Khalil looked okay at left tackle. Uh, Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell moving things. And defensively, you know, the That's Texans— That's the first team defense looked great for the Panthers in the first preseason game. Looked great. This could be the best defense in the league. I mean, like, it wouldn't be a stretch to see that. They have—they're stacked at defensive tackle. Vernon Butler managed to avoid serious injury. We won't see him again until the regular season, I assume. Charles Johnson and Julius Peppers are old as hail— but they have depth at the defensive end position, and the linebackers are the best in the league. James Bradbury, a breakout star. Yeah, some cup. up-and-comers. That's Dave Gettleman's last presence to the Panthers was before they fired him. He drafted some pretty good cornerbacks. If this team were to win the Super Bowl this year, and it's not, that's, it's a possibility. I don't think it's likely, but it's not, it's not that far-fetched. Dave Gettleman should get invited to Minnesota to celebrate. Cam Newton has got to avoid taking the helmet-to-helmet hits this year because that that's what will sink this team. I like the Panthers a lot. I don't know if I like them as much as you do, but we like them collectively more than most. But Cam has got to avoid those helmet-to-helmet hit the hits this year that defined his 2016 season, and I give Carolina a good chance to make the postseason. The team that I am picking to win the NFC North, I'm probably going to be on an island on this one. I like the New Orleans Saints, Will. I like this offense with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and the three-headed rushing attack of Ingram, Alvin Kamara, and Adrian Peterson. I think this defense will finally be better this year. And they've been out of the playoffs for too long here. The quarterback's too good. Give me the Saints, Will, to win the NFC South. You share my enthusiasm? Have you ever watched, you've watched Arrested Development, right? Uh, not in many years, but I, I did see it. Right, okay. I, I've, I've seen, I love, I love Arrested Development. Well, there's a line in there that they use frequently from J- Joe Bluth where he says, I've made a huge tiny mistake. You, my friend, have made a huge tiny mistake by picking the Saints to win the division. I, I like Drew Brees a lot. I love Drew Brees. Drew Brees is freaking how, great. How I could love you not? Right. But the Saints are in a situation right now where they are missing Taron Armstead, their left tackle, right? They're going to probably have to start Ryan Ramzik at left tackle or Khalif Barnes. They are missing their center in Max Under, who's on the pup list. They are, had to bring in Larry Warford at the right guard position. That offensive line is not going to do a great job of protecting Drew Brees. They traded Brandon Cooks. I don't mind the downgrade to Ted Ginn because he's, he's basically a cheaper version. Michael Thomas is a, is a budding superstar. I don't think you're wrong about the running game. This is going to be a good offensive team because Drew Brees plays on this roster. But the, the defense, to me, is too young, too many questions at the pass rushing position. And I look at this schedule for the Saints, and you talk about a team that got screwed. Those I mean, they, those first four games, Minnesota, Monday Night Football to open the year in Minnesota. Right. Then, then we'll bring it in. Oh, yeah, you know who you want to face on the turf? Tom Brady and your old friend Brandon Cooks. Then at Carolina, and then they host them at the Miami Dolphins and Jay Cutler going into the bye week. The Saints... I think you sign up for two and two coming out of the bye if you're the Saints in that four-year yeah, stretch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And now look, you get a little, you got to go 
three straight games against the uh, NFC North coming out of the bye. Not exactly fun. Tampa Bay. I mean, they, this team can win games. It's a good team, particularly at home. You know, but you look at the you look at sort of the the road games here, right? Los Angeles, the Rams, no longer a dome game. Okay, yeah, Tampa Bay, not a dome game. They get Atlanta and a dome, of course. Green Bay outdoors in October. The Panthers outdoors. The Dolphins outdoors. They get Minnesota in a dome. So th- half of their road games are dome games. That's a bonus. But th- this team, to me, is just not good enough on defense to to win more than nine games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will. A lot of hype surrounding them thanks to hard knocks and thanks to a pretty productive offseason that brought in Deshaun Jackson, among others. I am not as bullish on the Bucs as many people are. You think they're going to be pretty good? I do. I got the Bucs as a playoff team. Winning nine games. I am. I think they're, that they're, when, we, when we are done looking at this season, Nick, there is not going to be a bigger offseason addition than Deshaun Jackson to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a guy who, when you go and you look at the deep passing statistics, what you see is a case of Deshaun Jackson making the Washington Redskins one of the top deep passing teams in the league. The Buccaneers were not one of the deep passing teams in the league, and it showed up with Jameis Winston not making a ton of deep completions. I think he's going to have those this year. It's going to limit the it's going to limit the the number of times that that Mike Evans is double teamed because of Deshaun. They add OJ Howard, the running game will be better, and I think the defense started to coalesce a little bit. They under did Mike. They, oh, oh, they coalesced at the end of last oh, season there. there. It was coalescing, baby. Um some would say they congealed, some would say coalesced, but either way they came together. And uh Noah Spence I think is the player to watch on that defense cuz he's got he's got 10 to 15 sack potential. If he reaches that, look out cuz this Bucks team could be very dangerous and I know we both love the first episode of Hard Knocks. This could be Jameis Winston's star making turn at quarterback. I don't know if I'm going to I haven't made my official picks yet. I don't know if I'm going to have the Bucks in the playoffs, but it would not surprise me at all if Tampa won 10 10 even maybe even 11 games at that point they probably win a division, but Tampa a good football team, the best team the Bucks have fielded in quite some time. The Arizona Cardinals coming off a very disappointing campaign in which they missed the postseason. This could be Bruce Arians' final year as coach, Carson Palmer's final year as quarterback. The window is still open, that Super Bowl window, but it might be just a jar at this point, Will. The Cardinals' Super Bowl or bust in 2017. Yeah, buddy, and I love the Cardinals. I think they are going to be... A, I might have them as a Super Bowl participant. Wow. Yeah, I like the Cardinals a lot. Uh, sort of a post-hype sleeper. The additions of Hassan Reddick and Buda Baker. You saw, you know, I went back and was watching some of the Hall of Fame game, the early part. Robert Kimdichie making an impact. He has to be a first-round talent this year to replace uh, the loss of Calais Campbell, who left in free agency. Offensively, they need to get DJ Humphreys going. I think DJ Humphreys and Robert Kimdichie, both first round picks who are sort of red shirted, which is the Cardinals style, is the difference maker for this team. You have Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, and Bruce Arians on this sort of all in. I know they did this, the, the show all in already, but they are all they in. Have they have to be for this year. And in a brilliant move by you to mention Fitzgerald, who I left out of, of my open there, this could be Larry's last year too. So this is very much an all in season right now for Steve Kime, Bruce Arians, Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, and the Cardinals. Yeah, and I do think Kime has done a good job acquiring young talent. Like, this team will be fine when Fitz and, and Arians and, and Carson Palmer leave, and they'll have to figure things out. But this is a year I think everyone in Arizona knows 
let's like let's go win this one for Bruce. Win this one for Larry. Larry Fitzgerald deserves a freaking Super Bowl ring. The way he plays in the playoffs, and if they get to the playoffs, I expect Larry Fitzgerald to once again take over. I like the Cardinals going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't like him that much because I don't like Carson Palmer a lot, and I, I don't. A lot of people think he's bouncing back. Personally, I don't see it happening. I see the Cardinals as a borderline wild card team. Now, if they are going to reach the playoffs, Will, what would behoove them would be to stack some wins up early in the season because the final three games at the Redskins, hosting the New York Giants, at the Seattle Seahawks, not easy. So Arizona will want to get to nine wins maybe before that three-game stretch here. Maybe they only need to win one or two to make the postseason. You know the team that I think I'm most bullish on this year in comparison to the rest of my compatriots in the NFL media? The Los Angeles Rams. I have a large wager, Will, on LA's overwind total at five and a half. I am the president of the Jared Goff fan club. I think he's going to have a big year. Over 20 touchdowns, 3,500 plus passing yards. I like the Rams to go maybe seven and nine. Not going to say they're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to, but I like Sean McVay to make a big difference this year. Big year for Goff. The Rams will be better than you think. I literally wrote the story about Goff being better because of, um, because of the the addition of Sean McVay and the, some of the some of the players that they acquired in the offseason, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds, um, you, you would have to think that Sean McVay is the best case scenario for a guy like Tavon Austin. You know, actually utilizing his talents instead of doing whatever Jeff Fisher did with him. But Nick, I need you to to do what my buddy Blaine says, and I need you to actually. This is my pal Garrett's theory. Blaine has the say it out loud theory. The, the I love the Los Angeles Rams. That doesn't really pass the say it out loud test, okay. but. You need to do Garrett's. This is Garrett's. This is Garrett's test. Okay, so so screw you, Blaine. We're rolling with Garrett. Yeah, yeah, we're going with Garrett's test here. I need you. I don't want you to do it right now, but I need you later today when you get home. Take your shirt off. Go look in a mirror. Stare yourself in the eyes and tell yourself. Repeat what you just said about the Rams winning seven games, at least seven games. Well, I bet on it. I bet. I bet they're over five and a half win total. Like I, I put my money where my mouth is. Like my wager is in. I will send you a picture of it. Like it, it happens. I, I, I've been a Jared Goff fanboy since he was at Cal, and he has to be better this year, mostly because he can't be worse. Todd Gurley will be better this year, mostly because he can't be worse. And Wade Phillips running that defense. He's got some pieces, baby. Aaron Donald and and Robert Quinn and Alec Ogletree and Tremaine Johnson and Mark Barron. Seven wins for the L.A. Rams. Not the yeah. postseason, but they'll be much better than last year. Oh, and they'll maybe have some some picks next year to actually play with after forfeiting basically their entire draft in the Jared Goff trade. Yeah, and it's worth noting, too, that um, when Wade Phillips takes over a defense, they play substantially better early. And this is not an unfriendly schedule out of the gate for the Rams. Colts, potentially without Andrew Luck at Should home. Should be a win. Washington at home, they could win that game. At San Francisco, they could win that game. At Dallas versus Seattle, probably two losses. But then at Jacksonville, they can certainly win that game, and they get Arizona at home. I mean, it's not inconceivable that this team could be 5-2 and two heading into their eight-week eight bye. It's unlikely, but not inconceivable. They're going to start either 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. And we're gonna, and I'm gonna feel mighty, mighty good about my Rams over five and a half wager. One of the worst teams in the league last year, the San Francisco 49ers. But things looking up with Kyle Shanahan and head coach Johnny Lynch, the general manager. Will this team ain't going to the playoffs? Not with Brian Hoyer as the starter, but they should be a better and more fun team to watch than the slop we saw last year. Yeah, 100%. And I think it goes straight to the defensive front seven. Solomon Thomas. 
Tank Carradine, who's a talent, as a backup there. Ronald Blair, who's really good at App State. Um, Earl Mitchell, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Elvis Doomerville, Ahmad Brooks, Navarro Bowman, Ruben Foster, Eli Harold's in on that defense too. They have some legitimate talent in that front seven. And if they can create some pressure on opposing quarterbacks, especially in a division where the Rams, you know, they improved on offense, uh, the offensive line with Andrew Whitworth, but they have a second year starter in Jared Goff. You have the Seahawks who did not get better on the offensive line. And the Cardinals have questions there too. That front seven to me can be a difference maker between this being a one-win team and maybe a five-win team. I don't hate the offense either because Kyle Shanahan can scheme up some stuff. Carlos Hyde, people have been poo-pooing him all offseason, but this dude's going to have a big year. He's, been, he's looked great in camp. He's really blown all those pieces to shreds. Yeah, And, uh, and then Pierre Garçon, I mean, look, he, you don't want him as your number one wideout. But this guy, he's going to get 170 targets this year in that offense, and, and he'll at least do some damage. I think you can see some stuff from the offense. It won't be a top-10 unit or anything, but they'll be they'll be frisky. And defensively, if they start to come together, this is a team that can that can do a little bit of damage. Six-win ceiling for the 49ers. Wouldn't be surprised if they hit it. Yeah, I think maybe like – I think they're in maybe like the three- to five-win range. But Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Reuben Foster, some intriguing young pieces on that defense. Building blocks for Lynch and Shanahan. The Super Bowl window for the Seattle Seahawks, Will, has been a burning point of conversation throughout this NFL offseason here. I think the Seahawks, closer to being a Super Bowl contender to not being a Super Bowl contender, what say you on the Seahawks? Because every year now with Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll and company, it's Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Seahawks are the prohibitive favorite to win that division. They are one of the top teams in the NFC. They are going to, I think that this sort of offseason with this drama between Sherman and Russell Wilson, I mean, look like you and Pete, you know, you're like Russell and Pete's like Sherman, right? I mean, like, you know, you don't have to be best buds and hang out in the offseason. You can, you can be colleagues and play together, right? I mean, like, you know, you know, you don't have to be best friends. I'm just kidding. You and Pete get along great. Um, but I think that, I think that this sort of locker room tension is the sort of thing that Pete Carroll thrives on and that the Seahawks will thrive on and that they will succeed as a result. But I am worried, Nick. I am very worried about that offensive line. It just, you know, you bring in Luke Jokel. How, how could you not be? Like, that's how you fix it? You bring in Luke Jokel, who is so bad the Jaguars let him walk? Yeah, it's, and, I mean, German and Fetty, he, you know, he got hurt in practice because things were getting too rough. Defensively, this is going to be a good team, right? No I mean, doubt. like, it, it would take a major injury to Earl Thomas again for this defense, and, and maybe Michael Bennett as well, for this defense to fall apart. Doug Baldwin is an underrated, steady performer at wide receiver one. Eddie Lacy, an overrated addition because Thomas Rawls is going to lead this team in rushing when it's all said and done. You know, I agree with that. Yeah. CJ Procise is going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. Jimmy Graham has kind of blossomed a little bit uh, since being traded. I, I, the offense will be better as long as Russell Wilson doesn't does deal with a high ankle sprain all year. They're, they're going to win. They're going to win nine to eleven games, nine to twelve games, and they're going to be in the playoffs. No doubt. And I think for Seattle, if you're a Seahawks fan, what you want is home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. They get home field. Teams have to go up to the Pacific Northwest and deal with the twelfth man. It's going to be difficult for them. So I think that's the goal for Seattle: get the twelve wins, ensure yourself at the very least one home playoff game in the divisional round, then maybe one game on the road. But you want that home field advantage if you are the Seattle Seahawks. Well, that does it for the Friday edition of the Pick 6, which was actually taped on Thursday. By the time that you, dear listener, hear this tomorrow, Will, Pete, and myself will be in Las Vegas painting the town red. Looking forward to it, buddy. I'll see you in 24 hours. Yeah, man. Let's have fun in Vegas. Thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes. We'll chat at you guys later.